Welcome, everybody, to your new episode of the Truth and Reality Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Roman, reporting in the middle of nowhere. I know I was saying that I would do these podcasts weekly, but life has been busy. Life has been crazy for all of us, this whole election talk and what have you. But long story short, here I am doing another podcast and probably a lot of you are struggling like me, those who don't watch college sports at any level, basketball, baseball, football, whatever you want to call or whatever sport that college plays, you don't watch it. And that's me too. I don't watch any of these any of these uh college sports. So right now, in my life, the only sports I have is the NFL. And I love the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get me wrong. But the idea that only Mondays Thursdays and Sundays, and sometimes towards the end of the season, there are a couple Saturday games, always towards uh, week 16 and week 17. But, you know, right now, there's no NBA, there's no baseball. I'm just like, there's not a lot of, a lot of the shows that you, you know, in terms of movies, there's no movies. This is like life is kind of interesting for making us focus on certain things like. Like this election more than we probably want to. Probably focusing more on the COVID situation more than we want to. And whatever other issues that we're focusing more than we normally will. If these things weren't currently happening. But let's get into it. So the NBA next week is going to start. It's officially started preseason next week. Next week on Wednesday they have the draft. And then in the, uh, two days later, they have the opening of the NBA free agency. And less than a month later, with no setbacks, we will have, a, I think it's a 72-game season rather than an 82-game season for the 2021 NBA season. So it's interesting, ladies and gentlemen. And I, and I don't know if any other draft has ever had this in terms of the f- top two teams that, that have the top two spots that could possibly be playoff teams this upcoming season. And either with the draft moves they make and either with moves they make in free agency or with the current current plays that they currently have, stay healthy. So the first team is the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have the number, I think, I believe they have the number one spot or the number two spot. In long story short, they have guys like Towns and D'Angelo Russell who are... Two more key guys who could lead a team into into the playoffs. And they could definitely not be a lotto team. Or they could definitely be a team that next, this upcoming season, improve a minimum of 15 wins or maybe more, depending on what the chemistry is between Russell and Towns. All the other players they got. But they have a high pick again. They can go for any number of guys, you know, depending on the need. They don't need a center. They don't need a point guard. So... What do they need? Do they need a small forward? Do they need a shooting guard? Do they need a power forward? You know, um, it's crazy because you could say that they need this player or need that player, but some teams go after a point guard even though they have a point guard already. 
you know, a couple of drafts ago, Cleveland drafted one point guard. And in the following season, they drafted another point guard. So, you know, you never know when it, when it comes to this whole draft experience. You know, certain players in these mock drafts who are supposed to be a top 10 pick sometimes for whatever reason end up falling below 10, even though majority of the time between the first mock draft and maybe even the last, they were predicted to be a top 10 and things just change. So yeah, I think Minnesota has a chance to improve. They have two great players. I don't know how much cap space they have. Um... But it's interesting to see to see that a team like that who has two great players who who you know you know you talk about a lot of a team when you talk about a team that is in the top ten supposed to be the top ten worst team in the NBA, having an opportunity with chemistry and with health easily be in the playoffs next year, this kind of makes you different. Was this did this team really suck? Or is this whole NBA lottery thing horrible? Because let's be realistic, ladies and gentlemen. Every year, the NBA lottery always picks a team, always does not pick the top five worst teams to be uh, to be the, the top five picks in any draft. You know, right now, the I think the New York Knicks were the sixth worst team in the NBA this past uh, season, and they're picking eight. Um, you know, right now... Golden State, you know, Golden State is probably one of the luckiest teams in the world, ladies and gentlemen. Last year, they traded Russell. They got Wiggins, a young star. Curry did not play majority of the season, so that hurt the win to- win-loss win total. Draymond Green had his issues. They played a full season without and- Andre uh, Iguodala. And Clay Thompson was hurt because of his torn ACL. And Durant did not play with them because he signed with the Brooklyn Nets, even though he didn't play with the Brooklyn Nets, but you know, Golden State is 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 hit gold here. They basically they hit the NBA draft lottery. Even though I don't think they're picking number one, I believe they hit uh, picking number two. But for them, it it doesn't matter because a healthy Thompson, a healthy uh, Green, a healthy Curry, and now Wiggins is added to the max. Now you're gonna add a new another piece. Of a potential guy who, you know, maybe mediocre his first season or maybe good in two or three years, but the idea that he has the chance to mold into something special and not be rushed into something big right away is going to help whoever they pick and to be a big star for that team. At least in my opinion, it, it is. So Golden State is is with health is easily a top five team next year, in my opinion. And especially who they draft and who they could potentially sign to add to the bench. But that's the truth and reality. Unless they, they trade them. Unless they trade the, their, their pick to some other team. Which I don't think they will do. So it's interesting. It's also interesting that I don't think this happened in the past. And maybe I'm wrong, ladies and gentlemen. But I never, you know, in the next next six weeks or less the NBA has to get ready for a season it has to prepare for potentially not being in the bubble potentially being in the season potentially having fans if things permit it right now with the whole COVID new COVID cases and hospital cases going up the chance of fans being in the stadium again is not going to happen 
maybe, I mean, a stadium, an arena. It's going to be a very challenging season. You know, people are not taking serious the whole issues. They're tired of it. And I think that's one of the reasons why the cases are going up. People are kind of just rebelling. They're tired of the whole thing and just want to get things back to normal, which is probably making them rebel in whatever case, whatever way they are. But long story short, we're talking about the NBA. You know, right now, they got teams got to make a quick decision. Who are they going to sign? What do they do? What, what do they do in the long run? You know, I'm a Knicks fan. So the question of the day is, do they don't sign any players? Because there's been links of them being interested in guys like Victor Aladepo. Probably seen his name wrong from the Pacers. There's links to them with Russell Westbrook. And there are links to them with Chris Paul. The question of the day is, what do they do? Do they do what Philadelphia does and draft another guy who could potentially mold into something special between the new draftee, uh, R.J. Barrett, and Mitchell Robinson? Or what, what do they do? Do they trade all these assets and maybe do some kind of fantasy trade where maybe they get a Russell Westbrook and get a, a Victor Oladipo and basically go on from there? You know, I don't know. As of right now, they got to do do something. Within the last 20 years, they've had only one uh, 500 season. Um, they've been one of the worst teams within the last three seasons. But at the end of the day, they're also, also a team that's never really held on to players to see if they could mold into something special. And R.G. Barrett looks like something special. Mitch Robinson... Looks like a steal, a guy who who got drafted in the second round, who potentially, the way he's been playing, has been been better than players who were drafted in front of him. And he looks like a guy who probably should have been drafted in the first round. Long story short, what do the Knicks do? Do they hurt their chances? What, What do they do to attract superstars, to attract people? The reality is, with guys like Westbrook and guys like Chris Paul, you're taking in guys who are both making 30 plus million, which will eliminate any cap space they potentially have, if they did have any, and potentially giving up on draft picks that they currently have. So it's a curious thing for the Knicks what they could do, uh, what they should do. Should they let the young players develop and get another guy who, um, who looks like he would have perfect chemistry with a guy with R.J. Barrett? Or Mitchell Robinson, what do the Knicks do to improve? Do they trade their two first-round draft picks and go for a Lamelo Ball um, in this in this upcoming draft? What do they do? How do they improve? It will be interesting because I've seen a lot of different mock drafts, and all these different mock drafts don't have a lock for number eight. A lot of them have varied between a. Uh, Point guards, thinking that the Knicks need point guards between power forwards, between small forwards. You know, um, even the even the Leon Rose, who is the new president of the Knicks, is saying uh, he would uh, trade trade certain players to get uh, an un you know so called a back contract or what have you. You know, it's just a crazy concept. Of what what should the Knicks do? You know, and the reality is. I always love trades. I always love free agent signings in any sport and analyzing how does it help the team, 
what does it add to the team that the team did not have the previous year, and more. Um, you know, the previous offseason, I thought with the plays that we added, we added better three-point shooters, I thought, and I thought we added more rebounders to the season, but things just didn't work out that way, and here we are. It'll be interesting what, what the next week ensues for all these NBA teams. What do they do? You know, is this is this thing going to work out? Is the bubble going to have to be something that they resort back to? How do they how do they have a season when the COVID cases are going up and hospitals are happening? How do you help things go forward? You know, I don't know what I don't know what to say. I don't know what Adam Silver is going to do. I think Adam Silver is the, the the GM, but anyway, it's going to be interesting, you know, it's going to be an interesting thing. You know, this previous uh, season, you know, Irving and Durant went to the Nets and didn't play one game together. Both did not play a full season. So they're, they're one of those teams that are easily going to improve by 20 wins or more, depending on what the chemistry is between Durant and Irving. And I say chemistry because sometimes two superstars don't have perfect chemistry. Sometimes they may lead to winning records or not winning records because of, of chemistry. Westbrook and Harden want a divorce, ladies and gentlemen. Westbrook and Harden want a divorce. Two guys who together could score 58 points, who together could have 20 assists, who together can have six, uh, 16 rebounds. You know, um, but they want a divorce. And you know what's funny? If you think about it, if, if you really think about it, the Houston Rockets are in perfect shape to trade both players and still be a playoff team, depending on how they trade these players. You know, both they could trade both these guys and get two starters, two to three starters from, from uh, at least two starters from the teams they trade them to and be in contention. Which they f- plug in holes for the for the you know for the whole starting lineup, or they can get another superstar and have other holes in the in their lineups, or in terms of depth in the bench, it's an interesting thing, uh, interesting uh, thing that they got the they got Westbrook this previous all season, and now Westbrook is saying he wants the wants to trade because he's not going to be able to be the superstar that he wants to be with Houston. It's interesting. Um, you know, it's it's crazy that it has to come out that way. But, man, in, two, in the last th- two seasons, James Harden had Chris Paul. And then Chris Paul gets traded for whatever chemistry, whatever reason. Then he gets Westbrook, and now Westbrook wants to leave. I mean, I, I don't know... What is is it the player? Is it the uh, is it James Harden or is it Houston's inability to really read who the superstar is in Harden and who to really bring in? Does Harden need a compatible guard right next to him? As of right now, it shows that it leads to to a five hundred record, but it also says maybe not. Maybe he needs a good power forward center type of. Uh, type of player to to um to compare with and to add to in terms of eliteness to him um maybe like someone said maybe trading him to Houston for Joel Embiid and getting Ben Simmons 
back to Houston could be a good thing. I don't know. Time will tell. Only time will tell. Um, not baseball. Baseball j- players a couple a couple weeks ago, about a week ago, were offered a qualifying offer of eighteen point nine, which basically means the player can accept if he wants, and he can reject if he wants. But if he rejects, and another team signs him, the new team that signs the player gets a draft pick. Now, only two players, I believe, signed the qualifying offer or accepted the qualifying offer. Uh, Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gavin or Kevin Guzman or whatever. He's in the uh, San Francisco Giants. Um, I think for Stroman, it makes sense. If he's looking for that 20 plus million dollar contract, I don't think he was going to get it. Especially that he entered the 2020 season hurt. Especially that he opted out. Getting 18.9 would be, would be better for him. And and hopefully he does, uh, gives 200 innings and and has um, 200 strikeouts and good ERA and good wins. But for, as a Met fan, I like him accepting his offer. I feel the last two seasons, when you talk about the Mets, pitching has been the thing that has held him back. 2019, it was their bullpen blowing a significant amount of games and being horrible. Where just blow, just being mediocre, if they were just a mediocre bullpen, they would have been in the playoffs. Not an elite bullpen, not a great bullpen, just a mediocre bullpen. They would have made the playoffs. And this past season, the MLB tried to do something different, and which was basically have eight teams from both sides of the National League and eight teams in the American League. And again, this season, Noah Syndergaard needed Tommy John surgery. So the number two starter for the Mets went down. And uh, Marcus Stroman, the third starter for the the New York Mets, went down with injury and opted out. And I, I feel that, you know, 2019, bullpen, 2020, was the rotation that basically held the Mets back. I feel that with Strowman and Norris in the guard, they definitely would have made uh, the playoffs. And more. All, all gone beyond. Because this past season, Diaz rebounded and looked like the, someone of who he was when he was with Seattle Mariners. And, and Familia looked better. And the bullpen overever, overall, overever, overall, improve significantly but here's another thing that's going to add to the Mets whole fantasy free agency trades uh, off season the New York Mets have a new owner in Steve Cohen now before Steve Cohen uh, the well ponds with the owners and the well ponds about five or ten years ago whenever that burning Madoff case occurred the well ponds had did business with Bernie Madoff. And I'm probably saying his name wrong, so people will probably be laughing at me, but I'm okay with that. Since then, it has hurt the economics of the Mets, taking the next step, spending the extra money, doing the extra moves. Now they're saying that Steve Cohen is the richest owner of, of, of baseball. 
He's a Mets fan. He's not just a guy coming in wanting to own a team. He actually loves the Mets. Derek Jeter is an owner of the Marlins, but he's not a fan of the Marlins. He is a New York Yankee at heart. In truth and reality, he's probably a New York Yankee fan because he's from New Jersey. But I regress. Let's continue with the Mets. Steve Cohen, richest owner. It's a possibility that this guy is the new George Steinbrenner, new version of Jordan Steinbrenner, probably without the, the, the colorful character that Steinbrenner was. But I mean, the con- what's the connection between Steinbrenner and Cohen? Steinbrenner always spent extra money more than other owners in the major leagues all the time. He was never shy in, in adding money to his team. He was never one of these owners who, if you look at a chart, you see like for, for five years, they were one of the top five teams in payrolls. And then because it didn't work out for whatever reason, they trade off all those players one by one for prospects and hope those prospects develop into something special. And then they did develop into something special. And again, when the, when the salary and the payroll increased again, they trade them away. So you see like a seesaw. You know, the Yankees for the past 20 years, 25 years, have always been, I think, a top 10 team in terms of payables. Um, and now the New York Mets, Steve Cohen says he wants to be the, the New York Dodgers, <laughs> a version of the L.A. Dodgers, but for, the, uh, but for New York. You know, right now, if I'm a fan and I'm looking at this clearly, you have to take a step back. And I just go for the prize guys and then leave holes in other spots. You know, why, where did the, did the Mets not improve in? Where did the Mets, where, where were the cons, where were the pros? You know, they were talking about recently that Brandon Amo, you know, who's not a horrible player, but horrible defensively. You know, where do they do with him? They're going to have to make a trade because if Namo if is not the center fielder that you want, where do you put him? And then they have Dominic Smith, and what do you do with him? And what do you do with J.D. Davis? What do you do with Robinson Cano? You know, trades are going to have to happen in terms of making this lineup stronger. But getting back to the lineup, George Springer, who is who's uh, played the last couple seasons with the Astros, is a rumor name connected to the Mets. Because of the bat he brings and because defensively he's a huge upgrade over Nemo, which is a player who I, I would like to get or another guy who potentially could could play rather than, than getting a guy who's a global potential kind of center fielder. But because he can't hit, doesn't really play well and he's more of a defensive specialist who comes between the seventh and ninth inning to solidify the defense and probably hold off the win because of it, him being so superior in defense. I like the idea of adding Springer. Um, I like it more now knowing that the DH will be continuing the 2021 season. You know, a power bat like that at leadoff is great for the American League. It works for the American League, but doesn't work for the National League when the pitcher is batting ninth. And, and at least two of your bats, maybe even three... You're continuously hitting at, at um, you are continuously hitting after a pitcher where he's not going to be on base. He's only going to be on base if he bunt, but some miracle he got a hit, which majority of the time uh, pitchers hit below 200, and majority of the time 
they're up there to bunt and and move the runner either from uh first to second or second to third. But I like the idea that Cohen is going to invest money. Now, for me, Strowman's back, Noah Syndergaard is there, and DeGrom is there, and they have David Peterson. I like the rotation. You know, getting a guy like Brower, Trevor Brower, would be great. He just won the Cy Young, and honestly, the first Cincinnati Red pitcher to ever win a Cy Young. And he's rumored in connection to the Mets. The Mets are also thinking about getting a guy like Francisco Landier from the Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland Indians are one of those teams that have suffered because of COVID. So they're looking to decrease the payroll. They just recently, within the last two weeks, put Brandon Hands, their closer who was great for them last year. They put up his $10 million option uh, contract where he went on unclaimed and is a currently a free agent. They took that away, and now they're trying to trade Francisco Landier, uh, to a team. You know, personally, for me, for the Mets, I say no, only because I don't like the idea of trading um, guys, unless we can get Bieber, their star- the young starter who's making under $10 million, and we can add him and add him to the rotation, which I don't think the Cleveland's going to do. But it would be fun. But um, it's interesting what the Mets could potentially do. You know, the last two seasons, they're one of those teams that were just inches from making the playoffs. And because of poor pitching in the rotation or poor pitching in the bullpen, made them stay back even though they were under four games, uh, behind four games in terms of a playoff spot each season. Each of the last two seasons. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. It'll be interesting to see what other teams do to lower their payroll because COVID has hurt them, hurt certain owners overall. So some teams may not bring back certain players or may not spend a lot of money. You know, right now, a team like the Phillies spent money on Wheeler and Bryce Harper and Andrew McCutcheon and some other guys, and none of it's panned out. Every uh, within the last two seasons, they they were there and they were great up until a month before the season was over. And for whatever reason, they blown any any lead that they had in terms of if they did have a spot in the playoffs or just lost horribly within the last two weeks of the last two seasons. You know, but I I kind of knew that because they didn't add good pieces to their bullpen. They didn't add good pieces to their to their rotation. I mean, adding Wheeler is great, but when you look at the Phillies, it's like Wheeler and Noelia, I'm probably saying his name wrong, and then there's everyone else. And the reality is everyone else is not a 190, 200 inning kind of pitcher. They're more or less like the 175 and less kind of pitchers who who are more or less going to give you a lot of five innings, maybe five innings and one-third or two-thirds, but they're never going to give you that consistent six innings or more that you like in a starting uh, player. Interesting season. The, the Dodgers won the World Series, even though they didn't have David Price. Um, you know, 
they're going to be great again next season. It's interesting to see what other teams are going to do, what other teams are going to add to the team, um, add overall. You know, I don't know what how to predict this, how, how to predict what's going to happen, but for my Mets, we're going to spend, spend money while other teams are not, and that makes me happy. It makes me happy. There are, Steve Cohen has already spent, Seventeen million put seventeen million dollars into the community around City Field in New York, and that's great. I don't know how many other owners have ever put money that much money into the community around it. But being a New Yorker and and being a person who's been to City Field, City Field does not have hangouts around it. If you if anybody knows what I'm talking about, there's no bar, there's no restaurant, there's no hangout. You know, um, but it's kind of funny too because technically. The Yankees don't really have a lot of hangout. It's a few, maybe a few places, but beyond that, you won't see 50,000 Yankee fans really go hang out in that neighborhood. It's not the best of neighborhoods. It's right next to the courthouse. And I had one experience one time where me, my father, and Molly, my brother, and someone else were going to a Yankee game. And because it's next to the Bronx courthouses, we had people who were currently arrested yell at us, curse at us. I mean, it's New York. So you're always going to uh, experience some kind of craziness. But it's just not fun. It's not fun to hear that. It's not fun going to a stadium and, and hearing that and knowing that, you know, that's an experience. You know, if it's between Yankee Stadium and City Field, you know, while City Field didn't have a hangout spot, City Field also has more parking spots available for Met fans, while Yankee fans have very few. And it's more money. Um... So that's interesting. Uh, then NFL. Getting to the NFL. Interesting season. Steelers look magnificent. Mike Tomlin better be, be put in that Belichick. You know, he's like a poor man Belichick. He's winning. And Belichick's been winning for the last 20 years. But Mike Tomlin has won one, maybe two Super Bowls. In comparison to how many times... Um, Belichick's been there, but he's doing a great he's doing a great job. Last season, he had four different quarterbacks and had a magnificent defense, and the team went in eight. Now they have Big Ben back, and they haven't lost one game. You know, we have an interesting season. The Seattle Seahawks defense still hasn't really improved. While maybe they can stop the run, they're secondary and the team overall just sucks it proves to my point them adding two mediocre pass rushers in Irving and it was another guy named Ben Manuel I can't even say his last name I'm sorry but not really adding a dominant pass rusher shows that it's hurting yeah you added Dunbar and guys like Adams but the reality is sometimes the secondary needs good pass rushing and Seattle does not have that ladies and gentlemen and it's kind of sound of sad because Russell Wilson is having a magnificent, magnificent season. He's probably one of the most accurate quarterbacks right now in the NFL. I think he's hitting seventy percent of his passes in terms of uh, in terms of attempts. You know, is is very interesting. Buffalo Bills look like they're going to be the first team to claim the AFC East. Uh, besides the Pats, Pats look like. Like the suffering without Tom Brady and without other guys who opted out, like Hightower. Um, 
it's, it's very interesting what the next couple of eight weeks would be. You know, I thought certain teams would, would start to perform better after four weeks of the season because there was no preseason. So I was kind of using that four-game stretch of the beginning of the season like preseason because there's a lot of teams sometimes who who have great preseasons and have horrible seasons. And sometimes it's some teams have horrible preseasons and have great seasons because they work out the kinks. They work out what what they should do, you know. It's an interesting season. You know, the NFC East, like I've mentioned before, looks like a division where maybe whoever wins the division will be below 500. Um, it's very interesting. Eagles have had a plethora of, of injuries. I have to say Doug Peterson is probably one of the best coaches in the NFL right now. And the reason why I say that is because his team still wins games even with all the injuries they have. Certain coaches cannot do that. Certain coaches may lose five guys or more and the team sucks because they don't have those players. And the, the coach can never really value the troops and keep the team competitive or be a good innovator. But, ladies and gentlemen, Doug Peterson has been facing that majority majority of his coaching career and he's still doing great right now the eagles are three four and one and they lead the nfc east division with that record ladies and gentlemen um and still have a plethora of injuries it looks like they may have the starting running back uh back they may have alshon jeffrey back after him being gone for so long Gone for so long. After him, I don't even think playing one game in the eight games that the Eagles have played. The Cowboys have basically given up. They've got rid of at least three different starters. They have lost a lot of guys in in terms of their offensive line. They lost their great quarterback in Dak Prescott, who went down with an ugly ankle injury that whoever saw, saw the game knew that he was Badly hurt. How bad badly hurt? Well, we're not doctors unless you really are a trained doctor. What surgery and how long that, that recovery period takes. But long story short, that's an ugly division. Um, it's an interesting season, you know. Can't wait for basketball to start within the next, uh, what's today's 11th or 12th. I'll say about in the next 40 days. We will have basketball. Um, it's interesting to see who's going to get drafted. See if Harden and Westbrook get traded. See if my Knicks make any good moves. Or they stay young and just let uh, Tom Thibodeau develop these players into something great like he had with the Bulls. When he was with the Bulls, he got Derrick Rose. He got uh, Joaquin Noor, Todd Gibson, Luol Deng. Oh, there's another guy I'm missing. I'm probably missing another guy. But the, all these guys got drafted, and, and I feel like Tom Thibodeau developed them, and they all built some kind of great chemistry together. And was a great dominating team until guys like Derrick Rose got hurt. And things kind of, the atmosphere kind of changed, and that team got disassembled and is basically rebuilding. Looked like they're improving this past season. We'll see what they do in terms of the draft. But again, I'm your host, Anthony Rowan, reporting to you from the middle of nowhere. Even though, if you actually listen carefully, 
you know where I'm reporting from. And wear your mask. Listen to the doctors. Don't fight. You know, bear, stay in there. I know everybody's kind of like me, like, man, no basketball, no football, no, I mean, no football, no uh, hockey, no baseball. Be patient. Um, be good to one another. All right? So follow me on the Truth and Reality, Reality Show on Instagram. And have a wonderful day. Hopefully next week I remember to do this. And goodbye. Welcome, everybody, to the new episode of the Truth and Reality podcast. I am reporting in the middle of nowhere. I've been gone a little bit. I haven't been consistent with these podcasts. I am sorry if I do have a few fans out there who may be anxious to hear my new episodes. And the reality, if you're not listening, that's okay, too, because this is more therapy for me, more for me than it is for you. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, the NFL has at least four more weeks of football. At least. They do have four weeks of football, which is a strange season. Majority of the stadiums do not allow any fans inside. Uh, Majority of games don't feel the same at the end of the game at at times because sometimes the crowd noise can play a difference for, for the home team. But nevertheless, it is an interesting season, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The Pats are facing their first season without without uh, Tom Brady and have and led the league in multiple team uh, multiple players. Having multiple players not uh, opt for the season, so we're seeing the. Pats not dominating the AFC East was seeing the Bills make a few moves and, and proving me right that Diggs is a difference maker in that offense. Beasley and Brown were great to the receiving core last year, but the truth and reality is they're not number one receivers and they just got lucky. Diggs is a proven number one receiver and put Brown and Beasley back where they're supposed to be in terms of the depth chart and it just spreads out the ball even better and is showing with Josh Allen's Terrific season. The Dolphins are playing better, are playing good. They're staying healthy. Uh, Flores is not looking like a bad hire for Miami. And Miami Dolphins are in course of possibly making up the playoffs. Um, the Jets suck. And so on and so forth. The Ravens don't look so great this year. They lost most, uh, They lost you, one of the dominating uh, uh 
offensive lineman in Yonda. Probably saying his name wrong. They did not upgrade their receiving core. They again attacked the Russian attack. And in, 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 in response to everything, the offense looks worse. The defense looks worse. But defense I have more, uh, more hope for because they added some young pieces where maybe this year they're going to show that they're... they're their ability to being young and making those young mistakes, but maybe in the future they'll be more dominating. But the Ravens don't look that do- don't look as dominating. Um, right now the Steelers look magnificent, but last year the Steelers looked magnificent too. Tomlin did a great job with four different quarterbacks and and the ability of having one of the worst offenses, and he still, and he still had an eight and eight record. Now he's proving with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger what this team could do and this team is uh just lost its first game against the red not redskins against washington last week titans are proving me wrong i didn't think the titans were going to be the, uh as good as they were i thought Tannehill was in a just had that one great season uh that contract season that usually a lot of multiple players have they have that one great season that gets them the big contract and then they regress this uh the following season but he's proving that He's still good. Davis and Brown are not a, a bad one-two punch. And Clowney's out for the year. He wasn't the defensive juggernaut pass rusher that they thought he was going to be. But they're still over 500. They're still probably going to win the division. In the AFC West, you got the, the Chiefs possibly um, winning the division again. Broncos took look like they took a step back. Chargers look like they took a step, a huge step back, even though they have a great defense. And the Raiders look like the Raiders are doing okay. And the reality is, with all the additions that they made, they're going to have to bite the bullet and, and keep Gruden as head coach because when you pay a head coach, top, make, give him that much money, it's, it's easier to let him write out his contract than to release, uh, than to fire him. And paying that huge contract. Like getting to my favorite division. Because it has my favorite team. And that is the NFC East, ladies and gentlemen. A crazy division. A crazy division that saw the Cowboys and the Eagles lose multiple players to injuries. And proving me right that I always say that when you lose players and you don't have the depth... That the truth in reality, the truth is, your team's not going to be as good. And the reality is, your win-loss record will suffer. The Cowboys lost Prescott. They lost Teron. Um, they lost their left tackle, Smith. They lost their, their all-pro um, center in the offseason. And the, def- the, offensive line has, the offensive line has not looked as great. Ezekiel Elliott doesn't look as great. Ezekiel Elliott looks like a guy who is average at most or above average but definitely elite when he has all all of his elite offensive line in playing and the defense looks like it took a big step back rob marinelli and chris richards looked like great defensive minds together and rather than keep them they went to a guy who previously wasn't a great defensive coordinator mike nolan nolan probably say his name wrong mike nolan i don't know he was defensive coordinator for the Ravens left, and I think he was defensive coordinator for the 49ers and so on and so forth. But 
has never really been able to produce a dominating defense, and the Cowboys are proving it. The Eagles, ladies and gentlemen, are, are, do, are, are in the same boat. Uh, Andre Dillard, who was supposed to be the starting left tackle, hurt for the year. Uh, Brandon uh, Brooks, who was supposed to be their all-pro, pro-bowl, um, dominating right guard, offensive lineman, out for the year. Lane Johnson has missed multiple games this year. They brought back Jason Peters back to the offensive line, and he looked like he finally hit a cliff, ladies and gentlemen, because the truth and reality is he's been playing beyond his years, and this year he did not play elite, and now he's out for the year. But the Eagles are proving, yet again, that an elite offensive line helps a, helps an offense produce great numbers. That's just the truth and reality, ladies and gentlemen. The truth is, you don't have good protection. Protection. Your team will fumble. Your team will make mistakes. Your team won't be consistently good. Uh, will not play consistently well together because they don't have the protection and the one blocking that they need to do great. For another season, they brought in Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, and both Deshaun Jackson and Jeffrey proven. Me right again, ladies and gentlemen. Two guys who, maybe in the heyday, if they played a consistent 16 games, or two guys right now who we, who we're calling future Hall of Famers or guys who just had good careers because they produced good numbers. We get Jeffrey again. They brought him back, not producing. Rather than go for a free agent or release him or trade him, they brought back Jeffrey, and Jeffrey has done nothing for the Eagles, ladies and gentlemen. Deshaun Jackson, again... Just like last season comes in, everybody knows if he could stay healthy, he could produce 900 yards or more. But yet again, hurt. And the defense is basically the the spot. You know the is basically the the best thing part of their uh, team right now. Jim Schwartz has done a magnificent job each season, even with the best players or the worst players. He doesn't really have great linebackers. They upgraded the secondary. They do have a good defensive line. But in my eyes, the linebacking crew is mediocre. But yet again, the whole point is Eagles, Cowboys were supposed to be the two dominating teams of the NFC East, ladies and gentlemen, and they're not. And most likely they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFC East, kind of reversing if things go on course or on pace of what it's going on right now. The two teams that were in third and fourth place will be in second and first place. Now, ladies and gentlemen, New York Giants went 0-5 or 0-7 for the first um, five to seven weeks of the, of the season. Now they are 5-7, first place. Actually, tied for first place, but because they have been in Washington two times, technically they will win the division due to the tiebreaker. But long story short, it is an interesting season. Washington took down the undefeated Steelers, which was a shocker because the... Uh, Washington really doesn't have a great offensive uh, weapons on their line. They only have, really have really good, one good player in terms of the offense. Pretty decent defense. Jack DeLuvio is a great defensive mind who I think everybody who knows football knew that he was going to do something great with that, with that defense. And with the great pass rushes they have, he's showing to be an innovator with the team because he has lost a few players either in the secondary or in the defensive line. But they continue to produce and be a top 15 defense. And to my New York Giants, what have they proven? 
Well, they have proven that their lackluster lack of rushing attack in the beginning of the season became into something dominating with Jason Garrett. I thought when Jason Garrett was hired that he was going to be this guy, great offensive uh, mind for the Giants, that was going to produce a great offense for the, for the Giants, and that uh, the defensive coordinator, Graham, was not going to be a great uh, defensive mind. Um, Graham had just uh, previously was the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, and Miami Dolphins did not have a top 15 or a top 10 defense. And yet Graham comes in. From game one until now, the the Giants' defense looks good. Blake Martinez looks good. James Bradbury, who people were criticizing, saying he looked great because the last, past few seasons when he was with the Carolina Panthers, they had a decent to an above-average pass rush. So his stats and his productivity was in result of that. Not saying, not no, putting out there that he, for two games this season, was uh, was defending guys like Mike Evans, defending guys like Michael Thomas, defending guys like Julio Jones. So coming into the NFC East, he does look good because the truth in reality, the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, the Eagles do not have an elite uh, wide receiver. Cowboys do have an elite receiver. Actually, they have at least three good good receivers, and Washington has a decent receiver in decent receiver. But the truth and reality is, compared to the uh, NFC South, they don't have those elite uh, receivers like Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, and Mike Evans. So the Giants are five and seven. They have shown that with Daniel Jones gets some protection, he is a decent quarterback. Um, uh, uh, Andre Th- Andrew Thomas, who looked like a question mark in terms of being drafted where he was and looked horrible in the majority of the season, the first half of the season. Once Joe Judge got more involved with the offensive line, for some reason, this offensive line just woke up. They inserted Lemieux into left guard. He's playing better than Hernandez. I didn't think Hernandez was horrible, but Hernandez is proving that whatever Lemieux's doing is, has made Hernandez look like a bad left guard. Gates has improved as a center. Um, but most importantly, the New York Giants, within the last four or five weeks, maybe more, have used a rotational offensive line where they rotate their offensive line, which makes sense. I, I, I think it's a good idea because sometimes offensive linemen could be decent or above average in their pass blocking or the run blocking but maybe you know maybe they're good in pass blocking but horrible in run blocking or maybe they're good in run blocking but hard on pass blocking a couple years ago the Giants had a guy named John Jerry who according to the football focus was decent with his pass blocking but horrendous in his run blocking so that's an example of what I'm saying to his statistics was like a 70 in passing and when when it came to his run block, he was like th- uh, in the 30s, which is pre- actually pretty low, ladies and gentlemen. But with the defense playing top 15, the offensive line looking a lot better. The rushing game looks... Wayne Gallman is showing that with a decent offensive line and good coaching, he is a great running back that he was when he was in college, when he was with Clemson. Alfred Morris is... Is playing decent. I didn't think a 31-year-old running back coming in 
would be decent. And he's played decent. Deion Lewis has kind of been a disappointment. He's had some flashes of good catches and good um pass protection and, and some other stuff. But in terms of what we wanted him to be, which was probably a, a good a number two uh running back behind Barkley, he hasn't been in. And Wayne Gallman is either proving that what he has done the past several weeks is the real Wayne Gallman, or he's proving that it's, it's his contract here. And if he wants to be with a team, he has to do things that maybe he normally wouldn't do. Lo and behold, the Giants' offense looks better. The rushing is significantly. The rushing game is significantly better. Last uh, week they faced Seattle, and you know most most people felt that we were going that the Giants were going to lose against Seattle because our previous four games that we have won were against teams under five hundred. So. Losing, winning four games against teams below five hundred doesn't impress anybody, but this game did. This this the game against Seattle woke up the uh, woke up many critics and many analysts and many fans and say maybe this team has something. You know, McCoy did not look great against Seattle. He really didn't. Even the rushing game did not look really great the first half of the uh first. In the first half. Second half, Wayne Gallman in this rushing game woke up and they nearly rushed for 200 yards. Russell Wilson did not look great. Matt Cliff looked okay, but not all pro like he normally is. And lo and behold, the Giants won the game, ladies and gentlemen. And they're in first place with the Washington team. Um, Green Bay Packers look great. Right now, Bears look like they may 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 uh get rid of Nagy or may get rid of the GM. You know, you you drafted Mitch Trubisky, you got Nick Foles thinking Nick Foles can be that difference maker, and with the so-called elite defense that they were supposed to have, lo and behold, the offense doesn't look that great. And up and down, they had a great first five games, six games of the season, and have been trying to find who they are since then. Vikings look decent, you know, Jefferson right now looks like a future rookie of the year. He's making uh he's making the Minnesota Vikings fans look at uh look at the trade that the that training weight digs to Buffalo not look that bad because Jefferson has performed. Defense looks not that great because they lost multiple players either to injury or multiple players to free agency. The secondary is younger. Uh, Hunter got hurt. Hunter and Yannick Naku were supposed to be a dominant one-two punch in terms of the pass rushing and never had that chance, not even four games. But Minnesota is doing decent and look like if all the pieces align next year, they could definitely be one of the uh playoff contending teams and barely even win the division if healthy. Uh to this NFC South Carolina Panthers last place. Um Atlanta Falcons again didn't really improve their defense and it showed that and Todd Gurley looks like he is washed up ladies and gentlemen. Under 30 years old the injuries, I think, have finally gotten to Todd Gurley because he was supposed to be a difference maker in terms of the rushing game. 
losing uh, Freeman and losing Coleman and whoever else that they had the previous seasons. Todd Gurley was supposed to be this all-pro pro bowler for Atlanta Falcons, and he had proven that he's not that. They fired their coach. This team is... I don't know what to say. I think they're going to have to go and um it's a cult rebuild mold unless they have tons of cast space where they can definitely improve tom brady looks better than last year um bucks look like a great team um thomas i mean michael thomas has missed multiple games and breeze has missed a couple games for the saints but doesn't seem to be slowing them down and Right now is gonna be between Saints and Bucks. Um I'm liking the Saints more, especially in the playoffs. Um you know, uh I think the Carolina Panthers could have been better if Christian McCaffrey played more games, but he's been hurt hurt majority of the season and has proven that it has hurt the team rather than helped the team. Uh Teddy Bridgewater looks like a good signing. Um, that's for the NFC South. In terms of the NFC West, we got the Rams and Seattle. Now, the defense, new defensive coordinator has proven me wrong. You know, I thought with all the pieces that the Rams lost on defense, that they weren't going to be a decent or good defense with just Ramsey and with Aaron Donald. Um, but they've proven me wrong. Their rushing game is better. Their receiving game is better. Uh, before Andre Wetworth got hurt, he looked like a he looked like an ageless wonder who just doesn't know how to slow down. But he's out for the year, I believe. But the Rams look good. Seattle, you know, I think Seattle is just a team that's riding the coattails of, of Russell Wilson. I don't think this team would be over five hundred. If Russell Wilson was not the quarterback, I think this team would be below below five hundred. You know, um, decent against run stopping, but horrible, horrible, horrible. They give up a lot of yards in passing. They don't really give up a lot of points. You know, the truth and reality, ladies and gentlemen, is is Russell Wilson should be MVP. In my opinion, Russell Wilson is the MVP. And everybody would say, well, this guy because of statistics and this guy because of that. Take a step back. Look at the team. Look at the offensive line. Look at the defense. And then look at those other guys. Did the other guys have an elite defense? Did those other guys have an elite offensive line? Did those other guys um, not face tons of injuries? You know, look at that. I mean, Russell Wilson, I think, has, has been throwing... 70% or more of his passes the whole season. I mean, this is just... He's proving that quarterbacks who can scramble and run out of the pocket is the new way. Pocket passers are great, but they need a great offensive line. Guys like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and, and Daniel Jones and other guys who can run left and run right and extend plays is the new future where they don't really need an elite offensive line. They need a decent offensive line, yes. I mean, offensive line, but not elite. But 
truth and reality, ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking at Seattle. Pop, Seattle probably taking the second spot. Rams number one. Um, we're seeing the Cardinals slip back. They was looked like a playoff contender a couple weeks ago, and they've been regressing ever since. And the 49ers are um, are on the same boat of teams like the Eagles and the Cowboys, team that saw tons of injury either on defense or off or offense, a team that could have been better if the team had just stayed healthy majority of the season, but they lost multiple players to injuries. They're still hanging on to a, a potential playoff spot, you know, um, but only time will tell if they can all put it together, if they're going to get George Kettle back, if they can get back Jimmy Garoppolo and some other players back. But the truth and reality is, ladies and gentlemen, is they lost multiple players. But as long as the Cardinals are not playing great and other teams are there, they have a chance. But they just can't lose. Between now, this week, and week 17, the 49ers cannot lose two games. And basically, if you want them to make the playoffs, they have to win the next four, which is tons of pressure. Is it impossible? Yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, crazy season in NFL. The first 12 games for all these for all these uh, teams. You know, who, who would know? Who, who would have seen that a team that started 0-5 or 0-7 and... Was one in seven in the first eight games. Now has the potential of winning the division and going to the playoffs. You know, no, no one thought it. Everybody was looking at the hire of Joe Judge and his make uh, making his players run as um as bad. I think it was like Michael Irvin or other people. Other people were criticizing it and saying that he's gonna lose the the locker room pretty quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, they're buying into the system. And right now, Joe Judge is saving Dave Gettleman's butt. Dave Gettleman has... What Dave Gettleman did this previous offseason is what he should have did his first offseason. Draft a whole bunch of guys and let them... um, And let them be taught and let them progress in some kind of level. You know, and right now, Martinez and Bradbury are all pro players who are making Gettleman look good. So, lo and behold... You know, a lot of us Giant fans wanted got Gettleman gone because he didn't produce. It just seemed like they got worse and one of the worst teams. But this season, you know, the truth is he signs those those players. He drafted the players who who are playing who are playing decent and he hired Joe Judge. So we'll see what happens. Today in today's game is gonna be an interesting game for the Giants. It's the Cardinals. A team that the Giants lost last year, which was wasn't really a blowout game, was a close game, a battle of both rookies, in uh, Murray and Jones. Um, it was back in October. Um, the Cardinals got the better of them. We'll see if the Giants can be, beat another five hundred team. They need to, as long as Washington is is playing the way they're playing, and Alex Smith is being the motivation that he is for this team. He, he's this is a guy who wasn't who's has time and time again has overcome adversity when he was with the Chiefs, when he was with the 49ers, and previously because of the injury he got with the, he got on his leg in Washington with all the surgeries. 
Dwayne Haskins, let's be realistic. Dwayne Haskins not producing well, and I think it's Allen was the, the guy in back him getting hurt, has opened the door for Alex Smith, and he, he has run away with it, ladies and gentlemen. So, I know like everyone else, we're going to be looking at the box scores. We're going to be watch, trying to watch as many games as that we can in terms of the NFL. You know, um, and we'll see what happens this week. A little bit on the NBA. You know, right now it's the off season for the NHL. It just started the preseason for the NBA. And MLB is on its off season. They probably have another eight to nine weeks before uh, pitches and catchers show up. And it's funny, ladies and gentlemen. In hockey and NBA, tons of moves happen within the first two, two or three weeks. I mean, recently, the last big move that was made was John Wall and the Westbrook, uh, and the Westbrook trade, which I think is a phenomenal trade. I think Westbrook and Harden are not good together because both want to do the same thing. And sometimes you can't have two players wanting to do the same thing who may fight. I think John Wall and Harden complement each other better because John Wall will want the ball less and is a better three-point shooter than, than Westbrook. The only question marks about John Wall is, is his health. Will he be healthy this season? Because... Then the then the Houston Rockets will have to trade Harden and and uh basically rebuild. But as of right now, getting a guy like Cousins and John Wall, two guys who are definitely all-star players, two guys if healthy, makes this team with Cousins, Harden, and Wall a very scary team. A very scary team. And and let me not leave out ever Gordon. It's a great number four guy who who's a great who shoots three. It's great, but another guy who, man, if this team stays healthy, four guys. Who, if they have great chemistry, if the Salas, is a great coach and can build chemistry among these players and make them believe whatever he's his outlook is, offense, defense, what have you, whatever. Be a very interesting thing, to see. Um, in Houston, I think Westbrook and Beal is great. I think it's like the same. It's the same thing in reverse. Beal is not like Harden. He doesn't want to be the. He doesn't want to be the ball handler. He just you know, but he is a good dominating number two guy behind Westbrook, and it's gonna be fun to see what what is gonna happen in Washington. Could Washington be a playoff team? Lakers are gonna dominate again. I think it's it's just funny. Um, you know, it's a lot of funny different pieces right now among the among the NBA. It's gonna be fun to see what happens. I think Milwaukee wants to see guys like Holiday and others uh do do some do something in the playoffs and lead the the Bucks into the NBA championship because they know that the big Greek freak may leave if. Things don't look better than the previous two seasons. Um, the interesting team that we didn't see last year because the truth in reality, the truth is two players were hurt. So we didn't see what what Brooklyn Nets really could could be. And now the reality is 
Durant and Irving are healthy. The reality is Irving and Durant with Harris and other players on the Nets have a chance and opportunity to win, to be a top three team and have a chance to be better than Boston, be better than Toronto, and maybe even be better than than the Bucks or Miami. But let's no, let me add this. You know, Oklahoma City, ladies and gentlemen, drafted great within the last twelve to ten years. And my ears are probably wrong in, in terms of a draft. But if you take a step back and look what the Oklahoma City Thunder did, they drafted Westbrook. They drafted Harden. They drafted Durant. They drafted Jeff Green. They drafted Ibaka. And they drafted Steve Adams. Six players. Six players that they couldn't find a way to have some kind of chemistry built between them and be a dominating team. Six players. Six players. This is a team that if... If the, the if there was a good coach there, it was Bill Donovan who or what have you, could have did something among them because the reality is if those players stay together, you're talking about a team that's gonna average 120 points scoring per game. Or more. Or more. But they prove that maybe too many players doesn't work together. And now Steve Adams is with New Orleans, Westbrook has been traded twice. Um, Durant has gone from has gone from uh, Golden State now to Brooklyn. Ibaka is back is in L.A. Green is in Bo- in Brooklyn. And now they made a trade this previous all season, and before they continue making the trades, they look like they're going to be potentially be a, a playoff team again. And the reason why I said that. Because they still had guys like Steve Adams. They still had guys, like I'm going to say his name wrong, Kelly Aubrey, Aubrey, who they traded to Golden State. They had Danny Green. And they had Rick Rubio and others. And they still looked like they were going to be a potential playoff team. But Danny Green got traded. Steve Adams got traded. Uh, They acquired George Hill. Rick Rubio got traded. So... Oklahoma, I feel bad for Oklahoma. They, they have gone on an 11-12 year run of their team being a, a good team. And now they're going to see a rebuilding team in Oklahoma. Um, and in the next couple of weeks, we'll see a season, which is going to be kind of crazy to see because it feels just like the other day was the championship. Uh, and the Lakers potentially winning the championship. Um but let's let's be real. The Lakers look amazing. They're gonna be a juggernaut. I think. I think. That the Lakers have the chance. I think they're only playing seventy two games this upcoming season, so they don't have a chance to beat the Golden State Warriors. I think it was seventy three and nine win loss record. They don't have an opportunity to do that, but. Maybe the winning percentage will prove that if they played another 10 games, they could have potentially won that because, man, this team looks terrific. 
But we'll see what happens. And now talking to baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, baseball is like, it makes you love and hate the offseason in so many different ways. It makes you hate the offseason because unlike the NHL, unlike the NBA, and unlike the NFL, majority of the free agents and trades don't happen the first two or three weeks of, of the offseason. I mean, the reality is, if you're not able to sign teams, players from other teams um, before a certain date, the reality is these a lot of the NBA NHL and NFL players, they're negotiating prior prior to the date. You know, they just can't officially sign with a new team until a certain date, but they were talking to each other. And is it is it is an interesting interesting um interesting offseason. The winter meetings we saw no moves. You know, Steve uh, Cohen is the new Mets general manager. I mean, general manager, new owner. Richest owner in major leagues. Looks to be somewhat of like a Steinbrenner or, and slash what the Dodgers did. Just basically spend money. Um, so far, getting McCann to be a catcher who looks like an upgrade over Wilson Ramos. Um, getting Trevor May to upgrade the bullpen. They just uh, hired Jared Porter from the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they have more moves to make. The rally is they're looking at guys like George uh, Springer to uh, upgrade the defense in center field. Looking at Trevor uh, Brower, Brewer and other guys. And it's, it's a strange, as a Mets fan, ladies and gentlemen, I like these small moves like like Trevor May and like McCann. Guys who don't, who help you make multiple moves rather than making two moves and hope these little tiny moves help to push the team over. I feel in my, in my outlook of what the Mets should be doing is the Mets should get these little guys. Plug in the holes, plug in the holes. You don't want to go into the offseason again. And sometimes you see in baseball where guys, where teams... Focus heavily on one area, but neglect another. You know, last offseason, the Los Angeles Angels yet did it again, ladies and gentlemen. They didn't really focus on pitching. They went after another hitter. And they've been doing this for the past 10 years, or the past 5 or 8 years. With like guys like Upton, with guys like Pujols, with guys like Anthony Rendon. You know, rather than build up the pitching... They built up the offense. And now they're going into this offseason. They, they're the team that, that needs to make at least two moves to upgrade their bullpen and two moves to even upgrade their rotation to really be a dominating team. That's just me. I don't know if that's anybody else whose outlook is on that. But, you know, they were saying a, uh, a couple days ago that they were the team that McCann was looking at because McCann was from... California and I was like wait a minute you know go after hitting again it makes no sense ladies and gentlemen I just want to say MLB's offseason is like a snail they're going to move very slowly they're probably going to be tons of moves that multiple teams could do to be significantly better 
by January. And we'll probably still see big key free agents still available even into February. But the thing that makes it great is that it's going to be a lot of bargains. It's going to be some players who are still going to be available. And it'll be some of those teams who weren't aggressive, who are not aggressive right now in spending, who may get aggressive in January, who may get aggressive in February. Because certain other teams are just not making teams and not jumping at it. Um, certain teams like Cleveland are not going to make big moves, ladies and gentlemen. They're actually looking to trade their all-star, all-star best player in Francisco Lendier to another team. Why? Because financially they're hurting. They let go of hand. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Hand, the closer, who was great for them last season, the last two seasons. But because there was no fans and they couldn't really make that much money and they're looking to trade, you know, um, it is what it is. Phillies are not looking like they're not going to spend a lot of moves, supposedly. This is just an interesting offseason, ladies and gentlemen, you know, um, Certain teams, certain players who are looking to get paid $25 million in 10 years may only get $20 million in 10 years. Or shorter deal. It's just, it's going to be an interesting thing for me. I'm a Mets fan, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I talk about the Knicks. I talk about the Mets. So you know that I'm in the middle of, I say in the middle of nowhere in the beginning of the podcast, but I'm definitely in New York somewhere. Upstate, middle state, lower state, five boroughs. Atlantic Ocean. But it's going to be an interesting offseason. We'll see what happens. We're going to see if what moves Cohen and the Mets are going to make. Are they going to get guys like Springer and Brewer and someone else? Or are they just going to go after one guy? Or are they going to continue going for the guys who are going to be an impact on the pitching rotation or, or impact on the lineup? Or what have you. But we'll see what happens. It's an interesting offseason. Which is basically only in the beginning. And. You know baseball shows you. Baseball is just. is the Offseason is the epitome. Of what stocks are. For stock uh, traders. Be patient. You know everybody wants to be rich fast. But stocks teach you. To be patient. Because one day you will get that Netflix. Um. Uh, uh, stock, or you will get that Amazon stock, or whatever else blew up within the last ten years. That wasn't great ten years ago, but because people held on to it, people became millionaires because they held on to it, rather than grow impatient and trade it right away because they didn't see what they wanted to see when they first uh bought the share. So that's just like this off season, ladies and gentlemen. The MLB off season is slow. It's very slow. But we may see multiple teams make multiple moves. Probably with, not within the next two or three weeks, but probably more or less in, in late January to early February. We may see a lot of more moves than we're seeing now. But end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, today's going to be an interesting day for football. We'll see who's going to take a step forward, who's going to take a step back. We're going to see what injuries impacted certain teams. We're going to see if the Jets can finally win a game. We're going to see if... We're going to see a lot of different things, ladies and gentlemen. But it's going to be an interesting day today. Hopefully you get a chance, an opportunity to uh, 
to watch football. I'm probably going to be missing some games because, ladies and gentlemen, as much as I love doing podcasts, I also have a job. And my job will make me miss majority of the games, but that's okay. So watch football. Can't wait to, to see for basketball within the next couple of weeks to see what teams do good. Seeing if my New York Knicks could be great. You know, see if they can improve with Tom Thibodeau. You know, I think like everyone like you, we want 2020 to be over. And we want the next 18 days to go by fast. And 2020 be a new, a new, uh, not a new, but closer to, to things being a whole lot better than what they are right now. Hopefully this vaccine works and helps us have an ordinary life somewhat like we had before. So again, I am your host, Anthony Roman. Fo- uh, follow me on Instagram on the Truth Reality Podcast, my profile. I don't really put a lot of pro- uh, a lot of pics and videos there too often, but follow me there. Again, I'm your host, Anthony Roman. This is the Truth and Reality Podcast. I hope you are have a blessed day and a great day. Wear a mask, social distance, and enjoy your day, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye.